Hey guys, it's me, Sam Oser. As promised, I am back. Um, you will be seeing more of me, so that'll be good. Let me make sure this thing went live because, again, I never know when this thing's live. Okay, we're live. So, for those of you who may be watching this right now, Jordan's out of town and I'm back. Um, I've been on a like three-month hiatus trying to deal with my personal life. But at any rate, we're going to talk about two topics today. Um, we're going to talk about the increase of the, the increase and normalization of retirees working. Um, there's a lot of retired people working, and that's not okay. And we're also going to do a recap of white nationalists who have run for office this year. Um, I think that's something that's been underreported on, and we need to talk about that not being okay. So uh, let's dive right into this. Oh, wait, I guess you need to see my screen. Hold on a second. Desktop, and excuse it. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so senior citizens are replacing teenagers as fast food workers. We're going to go through this Bloomberg um, article because it's really scary how it normalizes this. Um, so it talks about teenagers doing the restaurant shift after school. Um, but now senior citizens are taking the teens place. They're showing up at casual dining chains. Um, and operators like McDonald's Court, which says it plans to make senior citizens one hiring focus in the coming year. Restaurants are recruiting in senior centers and churches. They're placing want ads on the website of AARP. Recruiters say older workers have soft skills, a friendly demeanor, punctuality that their younger cohorts sometimes lack. Two powerful trends here at work are labor shortage amid the tightest job market in almost five decades. Um, <laughs> the propensity for longer living Americans to keep working, even part-time, to supplement often meager retirement savings. Between 2014 and 2024, the number of working Americans aged 65 to 74 is expected to grow 4.5%. I have other charts that I'm going to show you. Older Americans are joining the workforce faster than their younger peers. Um, so I'm going down because there's a part in here that I want you guys to see. Um, seniors typically have more developed social skills than kids who grew up online and often would rather not be bothered with real-world interactions. <laughs> a lot of the times with younger kids now, they can be very disrespectful. So you have to coach them and tell them this is your job, not the street. AARP has become a veritable recruiting hub for the industry. In June, American Blue Ribbon Holdings LLC which owns several casual chains, paid 3500 to list hourly and management jobs on the nonprofit's website. Honey Baked Ham Co. is looking, for looking to churches and senior homes to help fill its 12,000 seasonal jobs. Um, so, 
let me get over here. I'm not saying that uh, senior citizens working is a bad thing. What I'm going to show you, however, is that the reason why senior citizens retirees are working is out of force. The way our economy is set up, and it has been a trend, and I'll show you some charts, they've been forced to work. We don't have any social security money for them. A lot of them may not have 401k built up. There's a lot of issues where this is one of like the most common generations. Like this is this is unprecedented in the generation since like the 60s where retirees are having to work. Um, people well into their 70s and 80s. So I'm going to take you back over here to some other articles I found. Um, more older, this is from Pew Research Center. More older Americans are working and working more than they used to. So, greater share of older Americans working now than on eve of Great Recession. Recession. So, in 2007, here is the eve of the Great Recession, right? And then over here, you can start seeing where people started to work more. See how it goes up. Why are people working more now than before the recession started? More older Americans, those ages 65 and older, are working than at any time since the turn of the century. In May, 18.8% of Americans ages 65 and older reported being employed full-time or part-time. Um, the new reality of old age in America. There was a really good chart in here putting off retirement. Um, so over here in 1986, we have 10.6 of the population putting it off. But now that we're, like this one was in 2016, 18.6 of people are having to put it off. The Denvers have noticed this economic divide. They found their campground jobs online and drove there in May with plans to stay until the season ends in October. Um, the ones who go on these ritzy, ritzy cruises to all these islands in Maine, I don't know how they got all their money. Maybe they were born into it. Gianni, 72. And when you see this poor little old retired person next door who can hardly keep going, and he's got his little trailer. Uh, for more than 50 years, they had supported mainstream candidates in both parties, casting their ballots for John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton. This time, they concluded that the Democrat Hillary Clinton would be no help to them, and they found the Republican standbearer Donald Trump too mouthy. For the first time in their lives, they cast protest votes, joining legions of disaffected voters whose aversion to Clinton... Uh, we're all talking about this, but not politicians. Helping people build a nest egg is not on their agenda. We are the forgotten people. See, and these are the folks that the Washington Post interviewed. If we didn't work, our money would run out real quick. People are having to choose between running out of money or dying. Relying on Social Security isn't that much of a thing anymore. 
Nearly 20% of Social Security recipients 65 and older have no other income. For 33%, Social Security accounts for at least 90% of income. There was one uh, thing in here. Um, one in five have no savings and millions retire with nothing in the bank. Nearly 30% of households headed by someone 55 or older have neither a pension or any retirement savings, according to a 2015 report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Scrolling through. While most Americans are unprepared for retirement, the rich older people are doing better than ever. Among people older than 65, the wealthiest 20% own virtually all of the nation's 25 trillion in retirement accounts. Employers have gradually shifted from traditional pensions with guaranteed benefits for life to 401k accounts that run out when the money has been spent. Those accounts work best for the wealthy, who not only have extra cash to invest, but also use 401ks to shelter their income. People with little financial know-how find 401ks confusing. Social Security payments are less than the federal minimum wage. This is from the U.S. Department of Labor. So I, that's, that's the part that I wanted to talk about, the part that I found and was like, wow, <laughs> we need to talk about this. Oh, hold on a second. Let me bring the light in. Um, so why is there such an increase of senior citizens having to work, like being forced to work? Because Social Security pays less than minimum wage. So on a minimum wage job. Now, we have to remember, too, that why is the unemployment rate so low right now? The unemployment rate is so low because people are having to work two to three jobs to make ends meet. If people could only use one job to make ends meet, then, you know, maybe there'd be more jobs and the unemployment rate um, wouldn't be so low. But they're also not taking into account um, like jobs like McDonald's and things like that. So anyway, a, a minimum wage job, you can't afford the rent, you can't afford food, you can't afford anything. And Social Security is paying less than minimum wage? Like how are these retirees supposed to get by? What's going to be left for people like in Gen Z? I mean Gen Z, Gen X, the ones after who are going to retire. Um, there's this, uh, the first article I showed you guys in Bloomberg, it talked about how they were excited that they were getting senior citizens from AARP and churches and senior homes, but the reality, the reality is just so much grosser than that. And there's been a steady normalization of that. It, if you remember in the first article I read, the Bloomberg article, it was like senior citizens have better soft skills. They are friendlier. They're not disrespectful. Younger people are um, from online stuff and they don't like talking to people. So they're much more disrespectful. Um, and that's just, that's not okay. And again, this stems from economic disparity and we saw the trends of like what's happening now hon let me go back over here um okay 
it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse for retired folks. And um, I've pretty much accepted that I'm going to die at, you know, a pizza delivery place or um, Walmart or at a desk job. Like, that's, that's what's just, there's not going to be retirement for me. <laughs> um, so even people who manage to save for retirement often face a grim calculation. Among people between 55 and 64 who have retirement accounts, the median value of those accounts is just over 120000 according to the Federal Reserve. So people are forced to guess how long they might live and budget their money accordingly, knowing that one big health problem or a year in a nursing home could wipe it all out. The system has been a goldmine for Wall Street. Ha! <laughs> Surprise! Uh, brokerages and insurance companies that manage retirement accounts earned roughly $33 billion in fees last year, according to the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. Ted Benna, a retirement consultant who is credited with creating the modern 401k, called those fees outrageous. Many people, especially those who need money the most, don't even know they are paying them. It's as if we moved from a system where everybody went to the dentist to a system where everybody now pulls their own teeth. The rich help the rich. So there we are. Um, and Social Security has lost a third of its buying power. Like, look how insane that is. And again, as we saw earlier, Social Security pays less than minimum wage. The little people are drowning and nobody wants to talk about it. Us middle class or lower class people are just not part of anything politicians decide. Yep, so there we are. And I'm going to go back over here to this Bloomberg article real quick. Look how they end this article. This is 2018, right? So let me show you these other ones. This one was in 2017. This Pew Research Center one, 2016. Oh, this one. I forgot to show you this one. Appointment for workers 65 and over in thousands. Look at this. 1948. Look at that spike in the thousands. People who are retired used to not have to work, but now here we are. People are having to work. Not only is overall employment for this group trending up, older workers are also increasingly working full-time instead of part-time. In 1995, seniors working full-time overtook their part-time peers. The Bureau of Labor Stats projects that the participation rate of workers 65 and older will rise to 23% in 2022. So yeah, there we are. And let's go back to this one. This Bloomberg article from 2018, senior citizens are replacing teenagers. Um, look how they end this. Um, I enjoyed the social part of it, she says. I think I'm going to work for at least five more years. Um, so this woman, 67-year-old former teacher, works part-time. She often walks to work. That's not, that's not okay. Um, again, 
is it bad for retirees to want to work for the social part of it? No. But is it bad to use that line to normalize the fact that senior citizens are replacing teenagers in the fast food work? No, that's not okay. And as we saw before, we see we saw in the thousands how from 1948 to 2015, there was like a great spike up. Um, like social security pays less than minimum wage. How do we not, I, uh, it's very disappointing and um, I don't think this is something that gets reported on enough. I saw that Bloomberg article normalizing senior citizens replacing teenagers in the fast food workplace and I got very upset because I know for fucking fact my 80 year old grandma does not want to work in a Taco Bell. Mostly because she physically can't, right? She can't stand up for that long period of time. What if she needs to take her meds or do an insulin injecting when there's a long line of customers? There's all these different things that we just we completely gloss over. People who work their whole lives paying into Social Security, paying into their 401k, should have the luxury of being retired and not having to worry if they're going to run out of money before they die. This is something that we can't normalize this. So I'm going to go back over here and check the YouTube chat. Um, let's see. Never fear, Polish Hammer is here. Uh, the 1% do not care about the elderly. Paul, they do not. Uh, how old am I? I am in my 20s. Um, the way things are going, I'm probably never going to retire. Um, and that's not a fear I need to worry about, like, right now. At my uh, apartment complex, I was talking to some of the older people there, and they Let's see, the richest country. Amit Gamble, thanks for the $10 super chat. Thanks. Oh, don't forget, this is a super chat. And you can contribute to our GoFundMe. That'd be nice. Okay. Cool. All right, so we're going to go on to the next subject. Um, so, <laughs> surprise, Texas. Last week in Texas, an uh, activist in the GOP committee came out as a white nationalist. So we're going to talk about him, and we're also going to just do a recap of how many fucking white nationalists ran for office this year. Um, like, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of white nationalists who ran for office this year, and it's, um, not okay. And as I go through it, if I um, glossed over some white nationalists, like I missed them, please let me know. Um, and then I'll include them in the chat because I was just like, there's no way this many white nationalists ran for office this year. But they did, and that's cool. 
Um, also, real quick, if you're just joining, Jordan's out of town, and I'm back. I've been doing, I did live streams for Status Quo a while ago, but then I got off the wagon because I had to deal with my personal life. Um, but I'm back, and normally I don't do it in this setting. Normally it's in my kitchen with a pretty blue background and my kitchen stuff. But um, if you're in Houston, I've been volunteering with 90.1 FM KPFT. It's a Pacifica station, nonprofit. They're super cool, and I've been doing these with them. So I'm here in the office, the office that does not have great lighting, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, so that's that's why I'm here instead of in my kitchen. So anyway, on to white nationalists. Oh, okay, so we're going to talk about this um, Texas one first. So excuse this. Damn right I'm a white nationalist, declares a Texas GOP platform committee member. Okay, this was, um, where's the date on this? I remember this being last week, um, if not last week, earlier this week. But a connected Tea Party activist says white nationalism has nothing to do with white supremacy. Race supremacy. God, I can't talk. It's just part of Trump's America First vision. After the Texas Republican Party's 2018 convention, Ray Myers is part of a select group of activists charged with crafting the platform. Myers is also a white nationalist a fact that he declared last week. Damn right, I'm a white nationalist and very proud of it. See, there's the post. <laughs> uh, Myers is a 74-year-old activist who's been involved in GOP politics for decades. But the pivotal moment came when Obama came on the scene. I knew immediately that America was in trouble. <laughs> wow. Uh, reached by the phone Friday, Myers insisted that he saw nothing wrong with labeling himself as a white nationalist. I am Anglo and very proud of it. Just like black people and brown people are proud of their race, I am a patriot, I am very proud of my country. And white nationalist, all that means is America first. That's exactly what that means. That's where the president's at. Myers told the Observer that he agrees with Trump's claim that the media is the enemy of the people. He said the left is pushing a narrative to make white people ashamed of their heritage. We're just patriotic Americans, just like anyone else. Did he really not see a problem with embracing the white nationalist label, I asked. Is there anything wrong with saying they're black and proud? Is there anything wrong with being an American Indian and saying we're red and proud? I mean, just like Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter too. We're on the same melting pot. Well, now, why can't we as Anglos say that we're proud? The 2018 platform includes numerous planks that espouse a nationalistic view, including a demand for English and English-only voting ballots. Okay, so over here he talks about we're all in the same melting pot, right? A phrase commonly used with the U.S. about how culturally diverse we are. And then over here says demand for using English and only English. <laughs> the reasonable use of profiling to defeat radical Islamic terrorists. <sighs> okay, so we're going to talk about this. <laughs> um, all right, so there's something really scary in 
a white person not understanding. Now I'm I'm white, right? I'm white passing. Oh, well, actually, I'm like half Mexican, but I don't even look Mexican. I'm white passing. And it's very scary to see someone who's like, when I say I'm a white nationalist, I don't mean kill all the black people. I mean that I'm just proud of my race. Black people say that they're black and proud. Why can't I say that I'm white and proud? It's like, well, because being white and proud is says that you are okay with what white people have done in the past, right? So white people have enslaved black people. White people have committed mass genocide. I'm not just talking the Holocaust with the Jews, right? I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about Rwanda. I'm talking about our current genocide in Yemen. I'm talking about our current genocide in Palestine right? Um, so what else have we done? <laughs> Segregation, lynching. To say that I'm white and proud is to say that you're proud of the history of uh, your white ancestors. Um, so there's, um, there's that. And it's a, I think it's a false uh, equivalency to say white and proud and black and proud. Um, because black people have been oppressed and like systematically oppressed to try to make them not feel proud, to make them feel lesser, right? Um, so, so yes, there's my little, my little rant on that. We are going to go on to the politicians next. Um, let's see. Hold on a second. Okay. <sighs> Record-breaking number of neo-Nazis and white nationalists running for office in the U.S. I decided to choose this one because, I mean, yes, it's Israel stuff, but it's nice to have a country outside of the U.S. talking about how many Nazis we have. Um, although I'm pretty sure this... Uh, Israel paper doesn't talk about how they have Nazis committing genocide in Palestine, but at any rate, nine candidates running in the midterm elections have ties to white nationalists or Nazi groups. John Fitzgerald in California. Denies the Holocaust, sent out robocalls, constituents claiming Jews are taking over the world and must be stopped. Seth Grossen. New Jersey, Arthur Jones, Illinois, Steve King, Iowa, um, Paul Dwan, Wisconsin, Corey Stewart, Virginia, Shiva, Massachusetts, Edwin, California, Russell, North Carolina. Now, I want to take a moment to show the diversity of those states, right? So, um, commonly, when we think of neo-Nazis and uh, white nationalists and Klansmen, we like to think of Texas. And um, that's understandable. I am from Texas. I have a literal Klansman as a neighbor, and it's terrifying. Um, I live near Texas City, where the Grand Dragon openly has like Grand Dragon stuff 
on his property, on his gate. Um, so yes, Texas is definitely a white nationalist uh, breeding ground. <laughs> um, but again, the diversity in the states. We saw California, we saw Minnesota, we saw Maine, we saw a lot of northern states and states that you may not um, guess white nationalism would coincide with them. So I want to note that because it's easy to get caught up in, oh, the white nationalists, the racism isn't anywhere near me. I'm in New York. I don't know. I'm in, I'm in Minnesota. I'm in Rhode Island. The, the racism is all down south with the Confederates. We're Yankees. <laughs> Civil War talk again. But um, that's, not, that's not the case. And um, we just need to remember that. Some other news I saw that I thought you guys would find interesting. Um, white nationalist leader is plotting to take over the GOP. This was October 2018. This is fairly recent. Uh, Identity Europa is pushing its members to stealthily infiltrate Republican politics to move the party towards agenda of banning non-white immigration. Um, la, 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 la. Despite all outward appearances, KC29 wasn't at all like the other Republicans. He wasn't there to only champion conservative causes. Casey had ulterior motives to covertly spread the message of white nationalist group he leads. As the executive director of Identity Europa, Casey is on a bold mission to take over the GOP as much as possible. This is a 29-year-old, right? So this, was a tw this is a 29-year-old who has his plan this is from October 2018 article, who has his plan to take over the GOP party and make it as far right as possible. So again, another stereotype we need to be aware of. Ew, it's old white people who are all the racists once they die out. This is a 29-year-old who's the executive director of this group. Okay, we need to be aware that not all stereotypes don't always apply. Okay. Um, so, we're going to go back. Take over the GOP as much as possible. Casey and his roughly 800 fellow members believe ethnic diversity damages the country. Emboldened by Trump rhetoric on race and immigration, they advocate for allowing only Caucasians to immigrate to the U.S. in order to maintain a white supermajority. In Casey's perfect world, whites would live among whites in North America, Western Europe, Australia, South Africa. Blacks would live among blacks in Africa, Asians and Asians, and Hispanics in Latin America. Ethnic diversity has been proven time and time again in many studies to be very detrimental for social cohesion, social capital, and it's just not a good model for society. Um, identity... Europa gained notoriety last year when it helped organize the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. The gathering of white supremacists ended with a white nationalist plowing his car into a group of counter-protesters killing 32-year-old Heather Heyer. So, yeah. Um, so, his group... Follow strict appearance rules, no visible tattoos, good grooming, only conservative clothing. 
When chatting up young people at events like CPAC, Casey knows it's crucial that he looks the part of your typical Republican booster. I didn't walk in here with, you know, an identity Europa flyer pasted on my forehead or anything. But I did have great conversations, particularly with the younger attendees, college Republican types. Casey's strategy is very focused on that demographic. Um, so yeah. Oh, let's see. In June, the outspoken group member took a step in moving up the GOP ladder, landing a position in an elected precinct county officer in Whitman County, Washington. The 23-year-old ran for the position unopposed, but all that matters to Casey is that he secured the GOP position at all. Yikes. Fucking yikes. Like, am I right? What? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so it's not just that we had white nationalists run for um, offices this year. We also have young people forming coalitions to take over the GOP. Right? So, like, Donald Trump has really emboldened them. And we can't just say, you know, once we get the old white people out of the way, we'll be fine. Because that's not the case at all, clearly. And the seat was taken in Washington. Um, not in a southern state uh, where this person ran unopposed. It was in Washington. So... Um, I have one more disturbing thing um, to show you, speaking of Trump. Um, <laughs> just a little more. Trump advisor Larry Kudlow hosted publisher of white nationalists at his home. The publisher of a website that served as platform for white nationalism were the guests last weekend at the home of Trump's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow. So, yeah, um, while Brimlow has long personally rejected the label of white nationalist, he acknowledged to the Harvard Crimson in 2016 that his website does certainly publish a few writers I would regard as white nationalists, and they stand up for whites just as Zionists, black nationalists do for Jews, blacks, etc. If I had known this, we would have never invited him, Kudlow said. I'm disappointed and saddened to hear. So, um, Kudlow, the financial advisor, said that if he would have known, he would have never invited them. He's sad, disappointed to hear. But can we really believe that? Come on. Okay, can we really honestly believe that at this point? Mm -mm. No, I don't think so. So, I'm going to go over to the YouTube chat real quick because that's all I got for you guys. And I'm going to wrap up. So that's all I got for you guys tonight. Uh, next time I'm live, I will be at home with much better lighting. Um, but that's all I got. So I hope you guys have a good night. Bye.